You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. So hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Changing Reality. Thank you guys for joining us today. And we're so excited to be back this Thursday with another amazing story for all of you to hear. So if you may not be so certain, Changing Reality is a show that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who are, in essence, changing their own reality. So we'll be hanging out and interviewing social change makers, entrepreneurs, business owners, to even artists, musicians, industry leaders, top execs, and inspiring individuals from all across the world, and many of whom who spend time here on the Penn campus, actually. So by hearing these inspiring stories on how they are changing the world around them, or changing their lives as well, uh, hopefully we can get little nuggets of wisdom that we can apply in our day-to-day -day lives and our own journeys as well. And I wanted to do this show simply because I'm an ardent believer in the power of stories. And I believe that there are a lot of people out there who do phenomenal things and make waves in the lives of others and the people around them. And I'm just super passionate about learning how these stories can be shared and how we can change the world in our own capacity. So personally, to show you how committed I am to this love of stories, I actually founded and run a youth movement called Ascendance in Malaysia, which is where I'm from, that collaborates with global organizations, including the Ministry of Education back home, to help provide a platform, an alternative education platform for any student who wants to change their reality. So we work with students from elementary all the way up to college through various sessions, programs, experiential learning activities, and projects that help them discover their passion, learn about themselves and the world around them, and even start their own careers while they're still in school that creates meaningful impact, not just for themselves, but for those around them. And to date, we've been fortunate to work with over 35,000 students in 970 communities across 28 countries, and have incubated a countless number of student-run projects and social enterprises run by students aged 8 to 25 years old. And the basis of all of this has been the stories of amazing people out there who are willing to spend their time, speak to these students, share with them their journey so that our youngsters can have a little shortcut to replicating it. So I hope that Changing Reality has the same effect for all of you, that you're able to take these experiences that you hear and use it to accelerate your own careers to figure out what you love doing and hopefully change the world a little while you're at it. So if you have any questions about it, any questions about the show, about the topics we cover, or if you have any um, suggestions of stuff that you want to find out about, do drop it in the show chat below and we'll take them as best as we can. So for today's session, we have someone extremely interesting. And it also, I think today's session re like revolves around the theme of pursuing your passion. So is pursuing your passion something that happens to you or something that you have to make happen? And with that, I think today's uh, session is going to be so exciting because we actually have the Senior Director of Soccer at Adidas. Um, Adidas is a German multinational corporation that designs and manufactures shoes, clothing, accessories, and it's the largest sportswear manufacturer in Europe and second largest all across the globe. And the best part about them is they are someone which I think is a household brand. Everyone knows who they are. And they have a broad and diverse portfolio in both sports performance and sports inspired categories that range from global sports to even regional grassroots events and local sneaker culture. So definitely one of the leaders in this industry. And our speaker today is someone who's been with them for 15 years, who was previously here on Penn playing uh, soccer here as well, and who really has grown in this career to someone who has taken her passion and used it to change the, her, the way her career works. So without further ado, let's welcome our amazing guest for today, Jennifer Randy. 
Hello. How's it going? Great, great. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I know you were having a bit of a um, like a turbulent evening a bit. <laughs> yes, it's the beauty of being a working parent. You never know what's going to happen. So you know what? All's good here. And I'm so thankful and excited to be here. And uh, thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to share my story and also, you know, hopefully inspire others to pursue their passions. Well, thank you so much. You are absolutely amazing. I'm going to just like open up with that because I think that many of us love, like we have a passion for something, but we don't like have that courage, that bravery to actually go and pursue it like full force in a sense. And soccer is something that I think resonates with so many people all across the world. I think it bonds us together across countries, across cultures. And just when I was sharing about this session, a little spoiler for you, like to, to all of like my friends, this was actually one of the most like, like most anticipated sessions. Because I feel like, <laughs> well, it's, it's just like, it's something that I think so many people around the world have a passion for. How did you discover your passion for soccer? Did it literally, did you stumble upon <laughs> yes, uh, yes, literally. Um, I started playing the sport of soccer or to my international community football uh, at age five. And it was just um, just a pivotal moment for me. I was just five years old on the field. I fell, I scraped up my knee, I got off the field and then put a Band-Aid on and I was like ready to go back in. And um, I remember after the game, you know, my parents making a moment of it saying that you showed such courage by getting back in the game. And I didn't think that much of it, but I felt really proud at the time. I was like, yes, yes, courage. I don't know what that word means quite yet, but, um, you know, at a very young age, I just uh, learned so many lessons from the sport and I never stopped playing. I still play to this day and um, there's so much in my life I have to be thankful for um, because of the sport of soccer. So all the passion in the world. You played soccer, like I think on like like the women's varsity team here at Penn when you were at Penn, right? Mm -hmm. Was this like part of like like why you wanted to go to Penn? You're like, I want to play in like the Ivy League, like soccer tournament. <laughs> how how did that whole journey of like coming to well, Penn, like joining yeah. like some of the best in like the field? So how did that go? Yes, well, you know, um how I viewed it is that um I loved playing soccer. I had such a passion for it. And I might not have been the smartest person in the room, but I may have been the hardest working or and or passionate about the sport. So I leveraged that as a way to get into an incredible university of the University of Pennsylvania, obviously. And um, my goal was to play college soccer. And I wanted to use soccer as a way to get the best possible education that I could. Hence why I chose to go to Penn uh, and play soccer while it may at the time have not been the number one soccer school in the country. It was, you know, within the top three, I believe, academic schools in the country. And for me, that was entirely more important um, in terms of like my long-term view of uh, career building and, um, yeah, surrounding myself with people that would inspire me and push me to be the best I could be. 
All right. And I hope that like there was some takeaway from being here and like that it did help your, your career or like what was one thing that you remember, I think, about at your time, like at PED that you carry with you, like hopefully till this day too? Well, um, I believe it would be the friendships that I made while I was at Penn, certainly. So on the softer side of things, I still keep in touch with some of um, my closest friends uh, that I made while I was at Penn. Um, and then ironically enough, how I was able to get into Adidas in the first place was actually through networking through the goalkeeper at Penn on the men's team at the time. His brother was at Adidas and I had an informal conversation with him and uh, he just so happened to know about a role opening up on the finance team. So um, that, that was more or less the way I was able to get into Adidas uh, from the start. Um, and then lastly, I think my experience at Penn was invaluable. I was able to play college soccer and contribute early on in my four years, which was, you know, I loved. Not only that, I got to experience the East Coast, um, you know, Philadelphia. My mother was originally from Pennsylvania, so it was great to go back to, you know, her home state. And lastly, I learned a ton and had access to such incredible thought leaders. Um, I'm, I'm, in debt to Penn for the experience that I had in those four years. So yes, I, I gained a lot from my my four years. That's absolutely incredible. And like moving out of Penn, you went to I think pretty pretty like traditional Penn route. You actually started off in consulting after that, right? What was kind of like the thought process behind that? Did you just like fall <laughs> in love with you during your four years at Penn? It was just like this is it, and like yes. try it out. Like how did you even get into that? Well. Um, you know, when I graduated Penn, I was not a classic Penn student that, you know, their spring semester, they went through the rigor of all those really intense on-campus interview um, sessions. I actually was pretty, you know, excuse my language, but hell-bent on getting back to the West Coast. So, you know what, I was like, I'll figure it out when I get back home. I'll, you know, I'll figure it out then. And I uh, road tripped back to LA and I blindly applied to roles that were open within the industry. So I applied to many of Adidas's now competitors and nothing panned out, you know, um, not surprising when I look back at it, but at the time I was just like, what am I gonna do? You know, <laughs> I really gotta figure this out. And, um, you know, I thought, well, I just gotta roll up my sleeves and get some experience under my belt. And then I can worry about uh, landing the job that I want. So I wasn't afraid to not get the perfect job right out of the gates and get some relevant experience under my belt so I could leverage that into the role that I would want in the sporting goods industry. So that's really why I you know, landed in the consulting world. I worked my way from consultant to senior consultant and then really said, woof, okay, now's the time. I wanna get into the sporting goods industry. I'm gonna start networking now that I have some experience under my belt and see if I can't land uh, an opportunity. All right, and I think you were really successful even in that consulting line. You were, I think, the third most profitable consultant like like during like your era of consulting. So that itself, like I think, is testimony to how hard you work, how much thought you put into it, which is absolutely phenomenal. 
how how was it like kind of like making that decision now being someone who is like top tier in that industry to step out into something relatively new i mean you've always loved soccer so it's not like too new but like it's still like a jump so like even with the network and getting that first role tell us a bit about the story or like the mental framework that you were in with you had to process in order to kind of like jump into something new at that point in time such a great question i had never quit a single thing in my life not once and um I was on the phone with my mother and uh, I was speaking to, you know, not feeling the love and the passion and the kind of motivation to keep showing up and working 90 plus hour weeks. And, you know, um, I just, she was like, well, maybe you need to quit Jennifer. And I thought, ooh, like that's not, that's not a word we speak about in our home. <laughs> We don't talk about quitting, no. And so I took the risk averse way, which is the Valentine way, and um, you know, basically set out a plan that I would start networking and, and identifying um, you know, people who worked that I knew that knew someone who worked in the sporting goods industry and just started networking. So I being the um consultant that I was, I set up an Excel sheet, I set up all the contacts. And at the end of every conversation, I would essentially ask, is there anyone else you'd recommend I speak with given my experience and where I'd like to go? And usually I'd get one to three names per person that I'd speak with. And I just developed kind of this informal network of, of very talented individuals within the industry and eventually landed an internship at Adidas, which was great. I had interviewed at Jansport, I believe, to work in finance and uh, hadn't heard from them. And ironically enough, as I was, you know, packed my Honda Accord with all my belongings to move up to Portland to work for Adidas as an intern, um, the hiring manager for the finance role at Jansport called me to essentially offer me the job. And um, it just shows you that sometimes there's it's just destiny in terms of like how the stars align and, and things were meant to be. Absolutely amazing. And joining in from like a finance role, a little bit different from consulting, but very different from like the many things that you've done over your time at Adidas. How do you kind of like, like going into it, like many of us want to do something that we're passionate about, but sometimes when we're there, the expectation and reality is slightly mismatched in a sense. And we've got to like work to make, to kind of like bring it back to like what we wanted in a way. So like, how was your first experience like joining into the finance role? Was this like the, oh my gosh, this was exactly what I was looking for moment or was there still some things that you were like oh wow I didn't expect this to happen well you know I look back at the experience I gained in the consulting world and it was magical because it gave me real world experience about the balance of art and science which I think is applicable to any role that you take so um it definitely enabled me to walk into my finance role at Adidas and have the right skill set to be able to handle the art and science dilemmas that we were trying to balance across the uh, footwear side of the organization, which is um, the part of the organization that I was a business analyst for. So um, I found my experience to be actually quite amazing because I could apply all the skills that I learned and there wasn't a um, essentially a well-defined modeling 
process or, um, you know, Excel tool for a lot of the merchandisers. So I was able to, you know, contribute early on in a meaningful way, which basically set me up so that when roles opened up, I could get a full-time role within Adidas. Okay, absolutely amazing. And like from there, you went, I think, from like the finance side to merchandising and apparel. Do you have, are there like, like this, this experience, like, like, is it like a know-all, like, 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 I think reservoir of experience that you can use in like every different role, or is there still some amount of relearning that you have to do each time you go to like a different department? And maybe tell us a story or two about something new that you had to learn in that journey, in, like, in that <laughs> Well, um, yeah, insider scoop. I love learning. So yes, I'm always up for a new challenge. And uh, essentially every role that I've had with Adidas has stretched me um, in different ways. And I've learned many, many, many different things. And I mean, my first role in merchandising. So I went from being an analyst to a merchandiser in running footwear. And that was a completely different ball game where I had sales reps calling me up, asking me about map pricing and deliveries and um, yeah, forecasting deliveries, all sorts of new things that I didn't necessarily have all the answers for. So it was like, oh, I better hurry up and learn this real quick. Um, learning how to manage people. That was a new experience. So um, eventually when I moved into, I had moved from running footwear to soccer footwear and hard goods, and then eventually into training apparel, as you mentioned, and I got to manage people for the first time. And that was a completely new experience. And one that I found I absolutely loved because people are at the heart of everything. And, um, and then even when I moved into, let's say, sales, I had never been a sales rep. And I um, was fortunate enough to lead the finish line sales team that that uh, Adidas has servicing the finish line business, right? Ironically enough, as uh, JD Sports acquired them. So that was a very unique business uh, kind of learning and process to be a part of. Um, but I was leading a team of salespeople who had been salespeople their entire lives. And I come in from the brand side of the organization, tend to be more romanticizing things and presenting really cool concepts, but aren't grounded in reality in sales. So, you know, it was definitely a huge learning curve to get up to speed as I moved into that business. It was true PL ownership and, um, it was, a, it was probably the steepest learning curve I've had in my career. Uh, not only that, I was um, a new mother of now two children. And so it was balancing kind of learning a whole new function within the brand, being a leader of a team in a function I had never done before. And then also now um, being a working mother of two, it was a lot to handle in all one time. So needless to say, I am a glutton for punishment but I thrive in it apparently. <laughs> no, that is absolutely like, like I definitely see the struggle, um, especially if sales is like the hardest thing that you can probably like, like I think it's like on my top list of extremely difficult things to do. So like kudos yes, and I agree. if anything <laughs> it would be parenting. So, oh my gosh, 
but like how like like for all of us who probably are not at like as like as determined and as like present like don't have as much perseverance as you probably have what do you think were some of the things that helped you manage that learning curve like about you that we could probably learn from because like again like really steep learning curve as you mentioned and also one of the things that i noticed about you is like like when i was just like going through like some of the stuff you've done is like you spend like a year and a half in every role and then you like grow in it you go to the next level or you go to something new which is like crazy like 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 to think about it's like you just keep growing and keep moving so that means like even your learning curve like has to be like much faster than any of us can probably process in our brains so what what enabled you to learn so fast in a sense what were the things that you did right Ooh, great question um usually when i enter a role i have a 90-day plan of the things that i want to get up to speed on uh in the first 90 days and then as you ask a lot of questions, you definitely say you don't know anything. Make everyone assume like they're explaining things from scratch. You'll probably learn some new things in that process. And then as you go through it, you start to understand every time like what you wanna do better or how you wanna improve a process or how you wanna approach something differently. And um, I attribute that mentality as a part of how I approached the sport of soccer, every game afterwards, it was like a tear down with my dad. <laughs> it's like, what did you do well? What did you perhaps not do so well? What would you do differently? So um, that kind of mentality was ingrained in me as an athlete and as a, as a player. And I don't treat the workplace any differently. I definitely assess and critique every presentation, every meeting, every, um, yeah, every business case I put together. Um, I, I'm definitely in constant reflection of like, how could that be better? And so I think that mentality of like always accepting that, you know, nothing is ever perfect. Feedback is a gift and you can always do better. Um, I think it's all about mindset and that will set you up to, to improve quickly and rapidly because people are going to help get you there. Okay. Very, very cool. And you mentioned like people as like a big part of the stuff that you did. And I think like Adidas is a brand itself that is very close to people. Like in general, like it's something that everyone knows everyone loves and i believe and i'd like to believe at the very least from your story that that starts from like that that camaraderie starts within the organization itself how did you go from like at first integrating meeting the right like like kind of like working with people getting them to trust you work with you and how is that like today when you're in a more senior role when you're a director at yourself how do you create that feeling of trust how do you create that feeling that people like uh, can come to you for things and like work and get your team to kind of like work together and synergize oh such a great question i think um team is everything people people are everything and it's meeting the team and where they're at it's understanding you know what they're excited about what is concerning them um what makes them motivated um being willing to hear the hard things i think is also critical i mean the, certainly the last year and a half to two years has been a lot of that um 
And then I view, um, you know, as a leader, definitely have a, a service leadership mindset that, you know, my role is really removing roadblocks and getting out of everyone's way so they can shine and be the amazing human beings that they already are. Um, and yeah, I think that alone, it fulfills me because it allows them to shine. And then also like, I like freaking fixing shit and <laughs> sorry, stuff. <laughs> and, and that is, um, yeah, and that's that's a key motivator, making everyone's lives a little bit easier, a little bit better, and and make the business stronger. Okay, very cool. I think like during a previous discussion, you also mentioned that I think during lunch you guys played football together, like like just oh, at the true story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So is that the real thing that happens like in Adidas? Like everyone just like plays football during lunch? How that's all that we do. Work? We don't actually work. So yes, nailed it. Um, I actually couldn't believe it. I remember sitting um, in my consulting cubicle, like gray cubicle, like traditional office environment and like being on these informal conversations and hearing that they were about to go play lunch soccer. And I remember saying, say what now? You're doing what? You're playing soccer at lunch? How can it be? <laughs> and so I barely breathed fresh air and like, six days. <laughs> what is this you speak of? So um, it's, it's definitely intrinsic to, you know, now that, that I'm leading soccer, that definitely the, the soccer business unit is very special in that way, in that we live, eat, and breathe the sport. We play lunch soccer twice a week. Um, we watch uh, Champions League games at lunchtime together. Uh, we gather around the, the, you know, the TV and eat lunch and some people work, but we're all very focused on, you know, who's going to win. And so it's, it's a fun way to unite people and bring people together, certainly. And then every single team that I've worked on has some sort of glue that brings everyone together. I think soccer is a very special place because um, it's a lot of passionate people that, that believe in the sport, the power of the sport, and that it can change lives. I think, like, as I said, I think that every company should probably implement this. Like, I mean, like, even if you've got nothing to do with soccer, I think, like, it's, like, as you said, it's, it's something that, like, gives some people some fresh air and, like, the, it has that whole, like, team bonding vibe. Like, Absolutely. yeah, definitely really cool. And, like, you were also, like, you mentioned earlier that you were also part of kind of, like, the team, like, uh, or, like, the leaders of, like, the, the whole brand aspect of like he does say, especially at one point in time. And I was reading some articles about like how things were during like the World Cup season where you guys have to go out there and kind of like design the jerseys and the footwear and all of that. For I think many like like soccer enthusiasts out there, that's like a dream come true. How was it like when you first started going out there, meeting these people behind that? What like what would like was it like like as amazing as we all think it is, or how did you, how did you feel like going into those arenas? It it is a dream come true. I remember I didn't even work in soccer or football, and it was for I believe the uh, 2010 World Cup. Um. And I watched the presentation of the World Cup ball, which is the Jabulani at the time. And it was just, I remember the, the reveal of the World Cup ball of the Jabulani and the, the 
Matthias Mecking. He was leading the product creation for hardware and footwear at the time. And he was holding the ball as he's like walking down the aisle and the spotlight was on him. And I was thinking, I'm seeing the World Cup ball a full like year before it's going to be real to everyone else. I can't believe this is happening. So it was totally like a soccer girl geek moment for me. It was just losing it. So um, every single time I see product, I feel like a kid during uh, a holiday season um, where it's just like a gift to be able to see this product that is so central to the sport that I love and, you know, all the games that I would be watching. And so um, absolutely, it, it's probably one of the, the top three things I love about Adidas. <laughs> and we're going through it right now, by the way, for next year's World Cup. So we're right in the heart of it. <laughs> so how, like now as like the actual director of soccer, how has your role kind of like changed into like, like when you're preparing for like these big events that are literally the World Cup and like, like those kind of league of events, like what is your role now? And like, how do you make sure that even in this time, like you, you do your best, like bring Adidas forward and like do that whole branding aspect of the run? Because it's not every day we have a World Cup, you know. So it's like, how, how are these times kind of like different from any other like regular day? Such a great question. World Cup selling or World Cup in general is such a special moment because it it happens every four years and that might change, but at least for now, it's every four years. And um, my role has evolved over time. Like if I think about how when I first worked in soccer versus now, when I first worked in soccer, I was focused on what was the footwear and the ball that was going to be used on the field of play. And I would be a part of presenting that part of the line. Then I was the director uh, overseeing product merchandising across footwear, apparel, and hard goods. So I would just tee up the season in terms of the commercial objectives and strategies in terms of go-to-market and distribution. And um, and then I'd let the team present the product. And then it evolved into now where I am focused on the overarching long-term strategy and how we approach World Cup fits into that overarching strategy. So um it's not as fun. I'm going to admit that presenting product is the best. Um, I would also say presenting the, the brand stories is probably also pretty baller. But um, now it's about painting that long-term vision that everyone can believe in. And so I view that as my role now is getting the team to believe in the long-term strategy and then making sure that we consistently deliver against that season on season on season. Okay, very, very cool. And I think like in terms of like strategy and kind of like like having like these events just kind of like being pillars and probably that contribute to the strategy, but isn't the strategy itself. That is something that I think like many people who especially a lot of our audience are entrepreneurs or they're business owners or they're students who aspire to be all of these things. And I think that that's not something that's easy to do. So it's like, it's much easier to have one event and then focus on, all right, let's make this event a success. Let's have like everything ready and centered around this event. And then we can take a break after that. But especially like for me, I think like one thing that I've been learning like recently, I became uh, a sentences acting CEO. And suddenly it's like I have to look at the bigger picture, like like beyond like each major event that we have. 
So how for you, like like who's probably like much more well versed and like like had to experience this at a much higher level than people like me? How do you go from like transitioning the way you think? Was there like a like a difference in like your own mindset that you had to create, or were you just able to adjust just like that? There's an adjustment, I think, into every role, um, and definitely transitioning from like being the the doer or you know the strategist over one function within a division and then transferring to to being the head of a division that's multiple functions i think for me that was the biggest adjustment in heading into this role is you know it it entails it entailed merchandising brand communications or brand marketing um, as well as sports marketing so that was definitely a whole different ball game of learning different functions and different needs and how to connect and relate to the needs of each three of those functions and teams and people um, because they all operate differently, which is the beautiful part about um, leading a diverse team of different functions, skill sets and um, needs more or less. Um, that was, I would say for me, like trying to see the big picture and at the same time understanding the the various needs. It took an adjustment because I had this affinity for merchandising because that was my background, but I'm having to like learn to invest more time in other areas so that I could at least be proficient enough to be able to manage conversations across whatever the business need would be, whether it was merchandising or commercial needs or brand marketing needs and investment requirements, or sports marketing and managing partnerships or investment requirements. So um, I love all the dynamic aspects of, of those components. So it's is very cool because it's a different way of thinking. It forced me to think differently because if I just leaned on merchandising, then uh, I probably wouldn't last long in my role. All right. Very, very cool. And like among all of these like different things that you've tried out and today being kind of like the overseer of all of this, what do you think is one thing that from like the beginning or for like throughout your journey that you've learned that that may that kind of like I wouldn't say change who you are, but makes you who you are today? Like is it a particular experience or is it the people or one of these fields that you mentioned that when you ventured into? Oh, goodness. Um, I think it has to be a combination of everything because nothing happens in isolation. Um, I would say it was definitely a combination of my willingness to learn and try different things. Um, a lot of people who are passionate about soccer say, I'm never leaving. Don't ask me to do something else. I'm not going to do it. But I viewed it as a learning experience that would help me be better when I got back to soccer. So although I've been with the brand for 15 years, I've spent less than half that time in soccer. I wouldn't be in the role I'm in today if I didn't leave soccer. So the learning for me was to, to be willing to let something go or leave it to come back eventually. So um, I definitely wouldn't have landed what I consider my dream role, which is in the role I'm now, uh, if I hadn't left and you know, learned about apparel merchandising or strategy or sales. Um, it, it was just necessary in order to have the right skill set to to lead a multifunctional team within soccer. Okay. 
absolutely amazing and i think one of the things like i also wanted to ask is like as i mentioned earlier there's so many people who love this sport and you have a whole career that is like literally surrounded by soccer in a sense and i feel like many people have this idea that if they love soccer they can be they could be good enough to be a football star and like go out there and win the champions league or they should pack it up and go and try something else it's like no in between like uh, so yeah you're oh. either you're either leo messi or you're nobody <laughs> who are you like yeah so that's why for all those people who genuinely love this but maybe they're not messy yet like or or maybe that's not exactly the route they want to go with how do they even get into this industry how do they even process this industry of soccer that you are in the way kind of like the corporate side of soccer i guess i don't yes. know if they <laughs> well i would highly recommend it it's amazing and offers you all the business challenges you get in other industries but then surrounded or central to the passion sport uh, culture that you love. Um, you know, Adidas isn't there on Penn's campus recruiting, but um, I believe that, you know, highly talented individuals, whether it be from Penn or otherwise, you know, definitely have a place at Adidas. Um, we need smart top talent to come and make us think bit, uh, differently, make us better. And um, I think it's maybe not at the top of the list because a lot of individuals have high aspirations of high salaries, high bonuses, you know, signing bonus, um, all of the bells and whistles. Um, you might not get that within the sporting industry. Um, so it's, it's really about assessing your values and what makes you uh, tick, what inspires you, what motivates you. And if it is being within the sports world or the sports industry, there's so many different avenues to get there. You can work with a professional sports team. You can work for a brand. You can work for a nonprofit in the, um, in the space. You can uh, work at retail that sells the product that we make. So there's a whole different, different way of thinking about things. And regardless of where you are in the world, sure there's an adidas store perhaps nearby and you know i have colleagues that that's how they started their career at adidas is they worked in a store and they they worked their way up so it is definitely possible i started as an intern despite having a consulting background um it's a commitment that you want to make it's the life choice you want to make and uh clearly i'm sold <laughs> because i've been doing it for 15 years but i i think when you're authenticity and your values align with the career path or the company that you choose to work for, um, you know, it, it's destined to be a great match. And I think that's what I found with, with Adidas or Adidas, as probably most people here say. <laughs> only only uh, us in the U.S., we, we like to have a special tone to how we say Adidas. <laughs> I'm now I'm conflicted about the tone, so I'm just not going to like say it for the rest of the interview. But all right, and that, that is absolutely beautiful that that you can start like kind of like anywhere and eventually grow in it as long as you get you have that passion for it. In your career, I think there's there's two things that I kind of like 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 love about you so much is that number one, you're very like you've got this persistence, this perseverance, this never quit attitude, and then you've got this such love and passion for the sport, for the industry. Do you think you'd have been able to grow in any other industry that you are not as passionate about to the level? Ooh. 
Yes, but it wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> okay, that was the best answer. You got that right. Like, like there was no other answer to that. <laughs> I mean, heck yes. I love competition. So game on if you're telling me I'm, I've got to move to a different industry, but it certainly wouldn't be as fun, um, I would say. <laughs> all right, all right. So final words for all of the, the aspiring or extremely passionate young people out there who may be a little bit confused where to hit, but are full of passion and love for something. Where do they even begin? Do they go out there and get experience? Do they go out there and start somewhere? Do they go out there and, I don't know, like pick it in front of the nearest Adidas store and until they get like, until someone accepts them in. But for all of them who have passion, where do you think the starting point is? Where can we begin? It's all about the first step or foot in the door, right? So I think my recommendation is don't be afraid to take a step back or take a step sideways in order to get in the industry. And I think it's looking at your you know, circle of friends, family, contacts, network, and understand you know, what is your inroad into the industry. For me, it was networking with friends that I had in Los Angeles that led me to a brother that worked at uh, Adidas in Portland. And that's that's the, the gamble I took. Um, but I, I know many others that started at retail. I know many others that started at a nonprofit and then made contacts and with someone at the brand and eventually landed at the brand. So I think it's, it's taking inroads and then maximizing your experience and your time within every opportunity that you get. Because every role is an opportunity, no matter if it's what you envisioned or not, you're learning something, you can meet people and um, make the most of it. And that will help you for the next step or two or three steps down the road, you never know. All right. You've been an absolute joy to talk to. I don't know. I'm just mentally going through all of the sports I love right now and like how I need to get back <laughs> into it. Like now that the pandemic's dwindling down. So thank you for, for at the very least, making me a lot more or like rekindling my passion for this whole industry. And I think for all of the audience, I'm sure they feel the exact same way. So thank you so much for actually spending your time speaking to us and sharing your experiences. You've been so enlightening. And I hope that this conversation has been as fun for you as it's been for all Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That I'm, I'm so sad that it actually has to come to an end because like, like <laughs> I can just listen to you talk about soccer for like days on end. So thank you so much, and like I really look forward to seeing how everyone from here kind of like takes that away. Maybe we will meet the next Messi like from the audience. So, ooh, yeah. I love it! I can't wait! I can't wait! <laughs> All right. So for all of you watching, this has been Changing Reality. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. We'll be back again next Thursday at 10 p.m. ET. Till then, and to our guests, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you around. Thank you. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio.